We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner Impossible. Coming up, the latest episode of the KCSN Draft Show, getting Chiefs Kingdom ready for the 2023 NFL Draft. Hosted right here in Kansas City with the best analysis, interviews, and content you can find to stay up to date and in the know. With that said, let's begin the show. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to the KCSN Draft Show. I'm BJ Kissel, joined by special guest Matt Miller from ESPN. He'll be on the desk for ESPN's coverage on Saturday of the NFL Draft. You can find him on ESPN. KCSN will be at a, we'll say, featured location in Kansas City, and we'll have more news on that here in just a couple of weeks. But today on the Draft Show, we're going to talk quarterbacks. Now, I know the Chiefs have a starter. He's pretty good. But we have seen the news that Chad Henney announced his retirement after picking up a couple Super Bowl rings late in his career, which leaves just two other quarterbacks on the roster besides the MVP. And that is Shane Buscelli, a player they obviously like, who's been around a couple years now. And then Chris Aludikon, uh, who was on the practice squad last year, saw him at the, the parade running around with all the guys. So there's a chance, Matt, that the Chiefs could add another player to the mix. Not somebody they're going to spend a high resource on. It could be a late round pick. It could be a U- UDFA. It could be a veteran that they sign in free agency. But since we're not at free agency yet, and we want to talk about the quarterbacks and throw to three of the interviews we did with three of the quarterbacks who could hear their name called during this draft this year. But Matt, wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Chiefs add a quarterback at some point in this offseason plan. Yeah, BJ, I, I know they like Shane a lot. Uh, I've had conversations mm-hmm. with people in the, the front office. Obviously, I'm a Texas guy, Shane. I actually played there. I'm just a fan who's weirdly associated with the program after all this time. Shane actually, you know, played football for the team. He can say we, I can't. So, uh, you know, there's, we obviously have had a connection. Um, I, I know they, they like him a very different quarterback from Patrick Mahomes, but that's usually how it goes. There aren't very many running around like number 15, uh, but I know they like him. Uh, you know, he's smart. He's accurate. He's athletic. I think you can run a lot of the same playbook, but I'm with you. I think, you know, it's always smart to keep churning the bottom of the roster at, at every position. And I think even when they picked Shane up, it was like, oh, wait, why? Why are they adding a quarterback and paying him fairly well as a UDFA? This is why. Because you're always looking ahead. So you never know who the next Mike Koff is going to be. You know, when you bring a quarterback in and you, you realize hey, this guy might be a pretty dang good coach someday. So wouldn't be shocked whether it's one of these three guys we're going to get a chance to meet today or you know, someone else in this draft class is 
Probably not a draft pick. I think I would be surprised, but definitely as a UDFA type player. I'm really curious too, and just the not roster composition, but just kind of the strategy behind the type of players that you would pick up either as a young player or like what Shane was as being a third string guy. Is it somebody that you're bringing in because of your, you, you like him as a player, you think they could step in and win football games, or is that player just for whatever reason, click well with your starter and Patrick Mahomes and help him get prepared during the week, be a good scout team quarterback. And that's not to say the answer is not somewhere in the middle. But if you can yeah. find a player that can help Patrick Mahomes prepare every week and be a sounding board in that way, you become very valuable as a young player. And it might not be things on the outside. And I don't know if this is the case. I just, there's so much value that that maybe third quarterback brings to that room that might not be what we would even see during a limited time during the preseason, uh, but mm-hmm. could be a perfect fit for that room. And so um, to your point, they obviously see something with Shane Buscelli. Um, that you've seen things with him and, and Patrick, just around the, you know, celebrations, and you start seeing all these guys celebrating. Realize, yeah. just because we don't see him doesn't mean these guys aren't spending a ton of time together uh, in the meeting rooms right. and all those places that they do it. But they there's an interesting in the off season. You know, they're they're, yeah, they're buddies. There's, uh, I can there's tell you a for sure. There's an interesting strategy there on just what you're looking for uh, as a general manager, as a scouting staff with those last few guys. So um, before we get into the three players uh, that we did interviews with out at the East West Shrine Bowl just a few weeks ago, uh, Matt, just top of the draft. uh, What's the story with quarterbacks in this class this year? How top heavy is it? Uh, Just kind of how does the whole draft uh, or whole class of quarterbacks in this draft kind of shake out? Yeah, DJ, there's four that are going to go early, probably in the top 10. I, I can't see four getting out of the top 15. You know, we saw five go in the top 15 in 2021 last year. Notably, a terrible quarterback draft. Only Kenny Pickett went in the first 74 picks, I think it was. So this year will be different. Bryce Young from Alabama, odds on favorite to be the first pick in the draft, in my opinion, not to the Chicago Bears. They're going to trade that pick to someone uh, Bryce will, will most likely go first overall unless something crazy happens this week while we're in Indianapolis. I think uh, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State is kind of criminally being slept on right now. I think he's the consensus QB2, but there's, you know, he's almost boring as a prospect because he's just really good. There's nothing that you could, you know, with Anthony Richardson from Florida, it's, oh my God, he's the next Cam Newton or the next Josh Allen. Will Levis from Kentucky, it's the traits are there, but the play wasn't very good. People get excited about those players. Think about like Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. They they drive a lot of the conversation. Really just solid quarterbacks like C.J. Stroud kind of get forgotten about, and then they end up being starters in the NFL for a really long time. So I think C.J. is the, the number two quarterback in this class by a healthy margin. I think if Houston doesn't get Bryce Young at one, they'll have to look at C.J. Stroud at two. If Indianapolis doesn't get up to one to get Bryce Young, they'll probably look at C.J. Stroud. So – you know, he still looks like a top five pick to me. And then we'll see what happens. Does Levis go seven to the Raiders? Does Anthony Richardson's, you know, very, very high upside, does that attract someone like Carolina at nine? That's kind of where I'm leaning right now. But, you know, we've got to figure out what Aaron Rodgers is doing coming out of the dark. we got to figure out what Derek Carr wants to do. Jimmy Garoppolo is out there as a free agent as well. So there's a lot of dominoes that still need to fall before we can really, like, confidently start slotting all these guys in. Yeah, I know the Kent Swanson, Matt Lane, Craig Stout, uh, Zach Eisen. There's a handful of guys that are helping out, Zach Hicks, that are helping out with uh, the KCSN draft guide uh, this year. And if you're listening, make sure you check that out. You can find all the links to everything in the description of this show and all over social media. Uh, 
Chiefs specific draft guide they put out. And I know that those guys are very high on Anthony Richardson. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out at that point. But Matt, let's get in yeah. uh, and kind of set up these interviews or set up um, the guys that we talk to in these interviews. And the first guy that we're going to throw this interview to that I want to get your thoughts on UCLA's Dorian Thompson Robinson. Uh, looking up his numbers, had 88 career touchdowns during his time at UCLA. Right. A lot of production, just 36 interceptions. And on the ground, more than 1,250 yards rushing over the last two years. Seems like a guy that uh, a lot of teams, whether it's day two, day three, wherever he ends up getting selected, uh, it's more your world than mine, but uh, offers you a little something that uh, a little mold of clay that you could work with there who's got some of the necessary features to to be a guy in this league that finds a spot and finds a team yeah i mean bj the numbers came out today the most ever runs by a quarterback in nfl history happened this season so that mobility hmm. at the position is becoming more important than ever whether it's qb sneaks rpos design runs whatever it is it, it's it's a part of the game now i think it's here to stay i think dtr brings that i mean he will I would expect he'll be the fastest of the quarterbacks in the scouting combine. I mean, there's a couple other guys that are maybe close, but I mean, he has legit wheels and he's undersized. He was 6'1, 190 pounds. And I think that's probably the biggest question mark is the undersized. You know, he's kind of got a, uh, a narrow lower body. He's got to open that up. But the production speaks for itself. The speed definitely speaks for itself. I'm sure you guys saw that out in Las Vegas at the Shrine Bowl that, you know, when he gets in the open field, dangerous things can happen. And I think that's what would make him whether we're talking about Kansas city or the NFL in general, that's my type of QB three. Like I don't want to draft the yeah. six, five, 250 pound guy who can't move late in the draft. I mean, Hey, let's take a chance on an athlete who can move around, can make some plays that, and, and especially if you do have a starter go down, look what happened to my 49ers starter goes down. Then the backup goes down, but like you, you have to narrow your playbook every time someone gets hurt with a, a player like DTR, you at least know you have some option you can run. You've got some RPO you can run and you've got some downfield stuff you can do. So I think that's what makes him a really fun backup quarterback prospect. All right, Matt, let's throw to our interview with UCLA's Dorian Thompson Robinson from a few weeks ago out at the East West Ramble. Dorian Thompson Robinson, UCLA. 16 at the 14 yard line for the Bruins. Thompson Robinson fires over the middle and it's caught. Wilson down the sideline. Can he get there and out of bounds at the 20? Chip Kelly here is your first and 10. And they run it. This is Thompson Robinson. And Thompson Robinson hits the edge quickly. And looks like he may have picked up a first down. What describes me as a football player, tough, competitive, trustworthy. Sure. Thompson Robinson, the quarterback out of UCLA. Dorian, thanks for sitting down with us, my man. Uh, thank you guys for having me, man. It's awesome. So the game of football, what made you fall in love with this sport? Yeah, I think uh, this is the ultimate team sport. Um, you know, this is a sport I grew up playing with all my friends back home and uh, the, the game that I had the most love for, for sure. So. Was there anybody growing up that kind of like helped influence you towards football or even just towards sports in general that you still kind of like see as a little bit of a mentor and influencer in your life? Yeah, definitely uh, my brother, um, my older brother. 
he, uh, he played sports all the way up until college. Um, and so just seeing him go through his high school process and all that stuff, uh, really just, you know, that younger brother in me just wanted to be better than him and everything. So what drew you to the quarterback position? Uh, I mean, for one, it's the guy with the ball in his hands every play. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, it's uh, it's definitely the uh, spot that chose me, I would say, um, and my personality and what I bring to the table and my skill set. Um, and it's something I just love to do and love to play. So, you know, I, I think the quarterback position is such a unique one where there's just so many monumental moments of growth for a quarterback as, you know, as their career goes on. You know, you're at UCLA. Um, was there a moment where things just kind of started clicking and slowing down for you in a big way? Yeah, I think uh, I think COVID, COVID mm. in L.A. Um, slowed the not only my football process down, but the world process mm -hmm. um, and really, really giving athletes in general um, a time and a space to, to sit and reflect. And um, you're not just going from spot to spot playing football all the time. You actually have about a good two to three months where you're not doing anything and you have to think about what you're going to do um, going forward. So I think uh, that's probably around the time when, when things start to really click for me and I saw the bigger picture and things for sure. Mm. Do you have a uh, coach or a family member that kind of just you see as like a mentor that you still go to for advice on the field or off mm -hmm. the field or anything like that? 100%. It's uh, actually my chess mentor. So I play chess. Okay. Um, that's where I get these wristbands from. One says protect the king. One says player not a piece. And uh, <laughs> yeah, me and him, we talk all the time. Um, and it's uh, although we do play chess, a lot of it is about uh, life mistakes and life uh, being able to go through life and uh you know, correct those mistakes and everything like that and learning from from all those. So what got you started playing chess? Just like where did when did you when did you start and then how'd that get going? Yeah. So I started at the end of my freshman year. Um actually Coach Kelly, um, my head coach, brought uh this chess mentor in. Uh, I had no clue about anything <laughs> about chess, had no clue who he was. Um, but he, he came in the quarterback room, started teaching the quarterbacks how to play, um, and really started relating it to uh to football and uh, how the chessboard is really just a, a field for making decisions, just like a football field for a quarterback is a, is a field for making decisions too. So um, a lot of those things I saw really click for me and uh, I, I took it and ran with it, sure. Did you ever get a play against Coach Kelly? I have not, I have not. <laughs> don't don't show him this, but I think he's scared to play. <laughs> so like, did you wind up being the best chess player uh, at UCLA or did you have some guys that could give you no, a there, there's money? definitely some guys on the team that can that can seriously play for sure. Um, I won't say I'm the worst by any means. <laughs> uh, I can definitely play, but uh, no, there's definitely some guys on my team that take it very, very seriously. So how do you think UCLA prepared you for your advancement to the next level as a quarterback, as a passer? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, everything that Coach Kelly does, um, he brought for when he was at the Eagles and the 49ers. Um, whether it was his offense, um, the way he runs the program, um, the way he wants the quarterbacks to, to carry themselves and everything. So, um, you know, I think Coach Kelly helped out a lot with that process for sure. What was the toughest defense that you played against? Not necessarily, I mean, there's there's plenty of talented defense and maybe it is just the most talented defense, but what defense gave you the most trouble when you were playing in the Pac-12? Ooh, um, you're talking about this past year or just in general? Anytime, yeah. Any game, even if it's not a statistical thing, just one that sticks out to you. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, definitely Utah, um, but really Utah my sophomore year in 2019. Um, you know, they've always had a good staff, um, always a well-coached team, but that 2019 team had, I don't know how many NFL players on it. And uh, I was a, I was a youngin' at that time, 19 years old, and I was out there playing with 21 and 22 year olds, and it was it was rough. Is there a game that you can just think of that best puts, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson out there as, this is the best, my best, not best performance, but this is who I am as a football player? Yeah, I think uh, this past year, 
um, playing Washington. Just the just the type of plays, um, the selfless plays in that game, um, you know, is really what I'm all about. Just trying to go out there and put on my best performance for my teammates um, and, and trying to win on each and every play to ultimately get the win at the end of the game. So. Is there a play from that game, whether good or bad, that you remember just every little detail about? 100%. It's a... Uh, yeah, I actually had a, a PBU in that game. <laughs> um, a tip pass, uh, D lineman is about to catch it, and I put my helmet right in between his numbers, and, and he drops the ball. And uh, we end up converting on a third down after that, and end up scoring. So. so, Dorian, what would you want an opposing uh, coach to say about you after they get done playing you? Um, I mean, shoot, that he's a, a, a mass competitor, um, and that he makes really good decisions at all times. Who's the guy that you emulate your game after the most? Uh, I think going into this year, it was a lot of Jalen Hurts film um, and watching him play. He's uh, playing at a really high level right now, making really, really good decisions. And uh, I, I really like and enjoy how he carries himself, not only on the field, but off the field. Let's put ourselves in this situation. You're you know going down, you're tied with your biggest rival. You, got, you throw the game-winning touchdown or run it in, whatever you want to go with. Do you want that to be at home in front of the home crowd for the wins? So you're celebrating with all the fans or on the road and that rival just has to go completely silent and there's just nothing in the air but your team celebrating? That's a, that's a tough question. We uh, we at UCLA love road games, um, but but I can always I can always do the, the home stadium, the home crowd, um, everybody enjoying it after the game together as one. So uh, I'm a home team guy for sure. All right, Dorian, one, one more. I got one more for you. What do you want to improve the most of the pre-draft process? What's the big point of emphasis for you as you're getting ready, not only to just get drafted, but you know, start your NFL career? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, a lot of the quarterback position is uh, about dependability. And so for me, it's just showing how trustworthy I am, um, showing that you can trust me with the ball in my hand, with the keys to the team, and, and being able to lead a, a group of men. And so uh, I think that's what I'm trying to prove throughout these next three to four months. So let's fast forward a little bit. We get to the end of this long draft process and it's the night of the draft. You get that phone call and you know someone's telling you they, they just selected you. You're going to X team. Who's there with you? Who's the first person that you want to hug? Yeah, for sure my mom. Um, it's going to be all my intermediate family here in Las Vegas. Um, and, and just being able to enjoy it and spend it with them. They're the ones that helped me get to this, this point right here and, and, and help pave the way, so. That's UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Dorian. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you, guys. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, welcome back to the KCSN Draft Show. I'm BJ Kessel. We're hanging out with ESPN's Matt Miller, talking a little quarterbacks in the draft this year. Just got done with that interview that we did at the East-West Shrine Bowl with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Matt, I liked what Dorian had there to say about Jalen Hurts and watching a lot of Jalen Hurts film. Not that I'm an expert in this, any kind of player comps. And that's a huge comp to make. Uh, Jalen Hurts is getting to that. I, I don't like, and I've changed this over the years, Matt. I don't like the player comps. Maybe it's that people keep saying Patrick Mahomes and I, I see it out there. It's like, oh, he's got a little Patrick Mahomes in him. Like we can't do this. Uh, so Jalen Hurts, kind of the same thing with the level that we saw him play at, especially in the Super Bowl. But when you watch Dorian Thompson Robinson on film, who does he remind you of? What kind of um, impact do you think he could make with the types of things that he does if he projects and earns a spot and all those? I'm going to add all those clarifiers just to make sure that oh, we're yeah, not right? I comparing that. him to an MVP type guy. Yeah, you got to be careful with those player comps. I've learned that one too. Uh, I, so I look at players' <laughs> skill set, size, and then where you're kind of going to slot in in the NFL. I look at someone like Tyler Huntley, who is a really good backup, but is also very effective on the ground. You know, Baltimore Ravens have had to rely on him a lot the last two years with Lamar Jackson missing so much time. So I, I do think that, that he could be that type of high-level backup, especially for a run-heavy team. You know, Tennessee, Baltimore, somewhere where they're really going to value the run game. It, Atlanta definitely fits that model as well. So, uh, again, I think he, he's a high-level backup to me, but like Snoop Huntley has been, that's very, very valuable. Yeah, let's move on to the next player uh, that we are going to have a chance to to listen to the interview that we did out. And it's probably our favorite interview just from a personality standpoint. That's uh, Appalachian State's Chase Bryce. Matt, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk with Chase Bryce before, but he has got a future in media if he wants one. Uh, he was phenomenal to sit down with. He's got an interesting story. He's been at a, a handful of schools, was at Clemson for a few years. He's backing up Trevor Lawrence, was on those national title teams as a backup, transfers to Duke. Then he transfers to Appalachian State. We saw him last year go out and play really well. He was a top 25 finalist for the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award. They get 27 touchdowns, six interceptions, a guy that, that went out there and made plays. And there's just a fun player. When, when you've watched the tape of Chase Bryce, what stands out about him to you? You know, the first is power. He, I mean, he is a, a big guy, you know, I think he's probably six, two, six, three, but he's like mm-hmm. two thirty five or two forty. So yeah. I mean, he is definitely sturdy in the pocket. And I think you see that, you know, there's a lot of torque when he throws the ball. I, he's got a little bit of a longer throwing motion at times, but he's able to make up for it because he does have that lower body power that's a run first team run first second third team at app state he doesn't get the opportunity to throw the ball a ton when he did though i thought he played the seams really well 
making those intermediate throws. I think his timing is really good there. I was surprised that he wasn't invited to the scouting combine, which is not always the best look for a prospect if you don't get that. I mean, it's still very possible to get drafted. It's still very possible to have a good NFL career, but it's, you know, you're starting against the stack deck a little bit. So I was surprised he didn't make the cut there, but I I have heard great things about the personality. So I'm actually pretty excited for this interview. We found out when we were out there, Michaela, who was helping us out on Instagram, actually said that Chase Bryce's two sisters are like, world famous TikTokers. Yes. That they were like next level, like everyone knows. Like Michaela knew exactly who they were when he was talking about his sisters when we were doing content um out there with him. But one thing before we throw to this interview with Chase Bryce that I found interesting and I think he talks a little bit about this during the interview, uh, but I found this nugget on his bio that uh when with Clemson he had helped the Tigers erase a fourth quarter deficit of 10 points against Syracuse back in 2018. His uh, freshman year, and that was with Trevor Lawrence sidelined. Uh, it was his first career that. start, and yeah. Chase Bryce engineered a 13-play, 94-yard game-winning drive in a 27-23 victory that gave Clemson that perfect 5-0 and record at that time and mm-hmm. went on to go 15-0, yeah. and win a national title. And so it wasn't that he didn't step foot on the field for Clemson and started traveling around, or excuse me, transferring around, but did get a little bit of time there. Uh, so excited to throw to this interview. Um, a lot of the fun stuff was before and after, but I think you can gauge uh, from this interview his personality a little bit. But here's Appalachian State's Chase Bryce. Formation. Bryce goes to single coverage down the sideline. What a toss! What a catch! What a score! Chase Bryce, quarterback, Appalachian State. Bryce again. He thought about running, backed off, and keeps his eyes down. Chase Bryce has a man going deep. Big play. Kate Robinson. Here comes App State. Hanging out here with Chase Bryce, the quarterback from Appalachian State. Chase, really excited to be talking to you, man. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to be here. Yeah. <laughs> On the show, man. I'm I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. Let's go, man. Uh, I just let's talk a little bit about the game of football and, and what made you fall in love with it. Um, always been a big football fan. Uh, didn't play flag or anything. Uh, skipped right into tackle. Uh, seven years old. And I was second grade. Um, and I was quarterback. Dad just put me at quarterback. I had a pretty good arm, or I could, you know, I had the mind and, and ability to get people lined up and just, you know. Start from there. So, so who who was your biggest influence for getting into football? Um, I grew up. A, well, my granddad, my dad's dad played at UGA. He was a tight end um, during the Vince Dooley days. So I just was always enamored with Georgia football. Um, grew up in or was born in Savannah, and dad loved football. He ended up playing baseball in college and a little bit in the pros. But um, I just really wanted to. Yeah, I was tired of ba- like baseball was fun, basketball was fun, but football was just exciting. So, what got you to Appalachian State? Just kind of tell tell us a little bit about your story. You can even start all the way back. Yeah, back in high school. I've got quite the story. Um, definitely hoping to write a book about that uh, later on, but or a podcast. Yeah, a podcast. You, know, you never know. Yeah, who knows? Started off uh, out of high school, went to Clemson, yeah. uh, 17, 18, 19. Graduated in May of twenty twenty, and uh, decided to to grad transfer to Duke. Um, you know, thought it was the right move for me. Uh, felt at home. Had a great relationship with Coach Cut and, and all those guys. Great staff. Great players. 
um, really good friend, like really good friends to this day. Bobo's here, Shaka's here. Um, and so still have those relationships, but in the COVID year and what it took out of everybody, it just, it was mentally draining. Um, a lot of uncertainty. And I just felt like I could do more. Um, and I needed a change. I just needed a change in place, change, change in scenery, uh, took a chance. Um, I'm not going to say I bet on myself, but I was just seeing who, you know, who, whoever reached out to me was willing to take a risk on me. Um, and they did app state did coach Clark, uh, Justin Watts. Um, and then, you know, luckily we got, uh, Frank Ponce. Um, he was my OC. He's an OG app guy, <laughs> uh, big Miami guy, love him. And, uh, they kind of, you know, they took a chance on me and, uh, I think it worked out. What do you love about the quarterback position? It's, it's all I know. Um, people <laughs> ask me, you know, what if you weren't playing quarterback, what would you play? And I'm like, I'd probably be a third baseman. Uh, <laughs> like I just wouldn't play football. Uh, you know, I'm not going to play tight end, could play linebacker or safety. Um, but I love the competitive nature it brings out. Um, I love being being a leader on the field, just encouraging guys. A uh, little up-tempo, um, patting guys on the butt, head, um, handshakes. I just love what quarterback not brings you, but what, like, you can do with it, um, with that position and the pressure, you know, the type of pressure that you have to, you know, withstand uh, about that position. Do you have somebody throughout the process, maybe during the COVID years, at any point where you had to lean on somebody a little bit to be kind of a guide as part of your career, as part of your quarterback process? Um, yeah, I talk to Kelly Bryant uh, pretty frequently. Uh, we talk every day, um, whether that's, you know, Snapchat, a text. Um, he came to see me when I we played at Coastal this, this past season. But, you know, one of my best friends, um, and I also talked to uh, one of my good friends. Her name is Drew Knotts. Um, just both in positions where we were kind of struggling. Um, just like mentally. It wasn't even about football. It's just like life. And I think like having somebody like that is always great uh, that you can lean on um, for each other. And so those two uh, people especially, you know, I trusted in and uh, leaned on during, during the tough times and also during the good times because you want to share those good moments um, and, and, you know, celebrate uh those great things chase quarterback positions it's difficult it's there's there's a lot demanded of you you know head can be spinning for a young guy at times i'm sure you mm. probably had those moments but what was the moment and when did the game of football click for you at the collegiate level when did it kind of slow down for you a little bit um i kind of went it kind of went slow and then fast and then slow again so Pretty much getting thrown in the fire my my redshirt freshman year when when Trevor got knocked out versus Syracuse, um, I had to come in that second half, and uh, we end that was twenty eighteen ended up pulling out a win, later on won the national championship that year, but it it was so fast. Um, I got to go go uh, against the best defense in the country every day, but even that is just a different speed when you're playing somebody else that you're not familiar with, and so. Um, during that year, things started slowing down. I started seeing things. I started recognizing coverages and defenses and, you know, personnel and what they're going to bring here. And uh, and me and Trevor really leaned on each other. Uh, I leaned on him a lot. And I know he leaned on me just just to be there, just just set of ears. Um, I'd always grab him when he come off the sidelines first, like, hey, what'd you see? And then 
kind of calm down before you need because that dude's competitive mm -hmm. uh, and he wants to win. Um, all he's done is is win in his career. So um, then I'd let him go talk to coach, but I want to hear <laughs> what he has to say because yeah. I want to see if I'm seeing the same things. Mm -hmm. So that 2019 year really slowed down. I felt really confident in that system. Um, I could go play with whoever, and that's why I decided to leave. And then when I got to Duke, it was just that time off during COVID mm -hmm. and then finally getting back in July and then ramping up August and camp. And then the games, we started off with Notre Dame and then we went straight ACC schedule. Um, things were just moving. I was like learning on the fly mm -hmm. and, uh, and it, it was fast. I didn't, it didn't really slow down that year until probably like we played Syracuse about week five or six. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it really slowed down these last two years of that sure. at app. The yeah. maturity and just the growth I made as yeah. a quarterback um, really showed and trusting in my teammates and my coaching staffs um, to put me in the best position to win and then just go and execute. Uh, it really slowed down for me. Do you have, let's say you come off the field, you have a really good game. Mm. What do you want the opposing coaches to be saying about you? Um, for me, like my, my guys know I'm going to give a hundred, hundred percent, no matter what, uh, I'm going to go out there and, and play hard, uh, for four quarters. Um, and you know, in the past, like I've, I've taken some shots, um, some hits in the past and I've gotten up every time for the most part, uh, <laughs> there's maybe one or two yeah. that, that really got me good. And yeah. I had to lay there for a second, catch my breath, whatever it may be, but um, I'm a tough football player, and I, I pride myself on being a football player first and then a quarterback. Um, I don't want any special treatment. Uh, it's never been easy for me. Um, not that I've been doubted or anything, but I just wanted to uh, showcase every week that that I'm a gamer. Um, it might not be pretty, uh, and I understand that. My staff understood that. Like, Chase might make a mistake here, but how is he going to respond to adversity? And I think I showed – really good growth in responding to adversity from from 2020 to now 2022 season into 2023 out here on the field um as i you know got to play in the hula bowl and now going to get to play mm -hmm. here in the shrine bowl all right so chase film study is obviously a very important part of of the quarterback position it becomes more and more important as you're getting older mm -hmm. as you're getting to see more as the responsibility and the burden gets bigger and bigger at the quarterback position and yes i know you're gonna you're gonna spend a lot of time watching tape you know, with your coaching staff, but I want to know about the tape that you're watching on your own. When you're watching tape on your own, what are the things that you're paying the most attention to? What are the things you're focusing on and emphasizing in your personal prep? Yeah, my, in my preparation, kind of break it down. Um, I want to watch the game fully in full, no skips, no nothing, um, and just take mental notes. Um, and then if I see something really like that I need to write down in that moment, I'm going to write it down. Um, usually I write down as I watch, then I go back and I'm going to see what they want to do on first, like what is first down, what is P and 10 for them. Um, and I really look at that shell, that outer, outer shell, mm -hmm. um, and then get into third down. And that's usually exotic stuff. Mm -hmm. That's pressures. That's a lot of bluff. Um, you know, they're rotating at the snap safeties are trying to hide. Um, so I'm really IDing those safeties not as much corners i'm looking at you know player personnel and how they want to play certain guys if they swap field um if they match your x or match whoever the best receiver is um and then i get into last i'll get into d line and, and linebackers because they're going to show you 
blitzes and instants, things like that. It's like a true quarterback. He's starting with the coverage. I, I love it. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about a moment where you presented a suggestion to your coaching staff based on your per- personal skill uh, or personal study and and how it helped you guys win a game if there was something that you were seeing that you wanted based on what you were seeing in oh your yeah i got study. one um we were playing georgia southern 2021 and their defensive coordinator can't, can't was that at yeah so knew our offense very well um knew how to s- stop it schematically mm-hmm. um best he could and it was me and thomas hennigan came over on the side and he, you know, I really trust in what he's got to say. And uh, we were both seeing it, but told Coach Ponce, like, he got on the mic and he was like, Ponce, like, we got to run a double move, like, out and up. And, like, I'm going to beat him or he's going to bite really hard. He's going to, we've been hitting this same route over and over and over. Uh, and so I think it was the first play, like, after a punt, um late in the third or early fourth we were only up by like 14 mm-hmm. um it was a really tight game and we call it play a little play action out of the uh pistol um thomas is to the field runs a little out and up i throw it as far as i can <laughs> get drilled and then i just see him coming down crowd goes wild um and we go up like 21 nice. but that's a moment where like the players player-led program yeah. that prides herself on just takes over I got one more for you real quick, okay. uh, football-wise. I want to know your favorite play. I want to know the the coverage you want for that play. And I want to know what the result of that play is if you get it. Um, I got too many favorite plays, but this is me and my buddy's favorite play back at Clemson. Um, I don't know if they still run it, but I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> uh, it's just a two-by-two formation. I'm in the gun to the boundary. We're going to have our... Our, like a T Higgins, like our X, mm-hmm. and then our tight end, okay, in the slot to the field. We got our Z in our in our other slot. Um, the boundary, they're gonna have a post and a dig. So X has post, Y has dig. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty simple. It's it's half field, honestly. Read, but it's it's very effective when when done right. And then to the field, you got either a smash concept, but in our case, we like the inside stem. Called it a, a, a sky route, inside stem fade, Slot fade to a hitch, yeah. um, or hitch, and then if they're pressed, he can like slant it up on a dart, like a dart route. Um, so I want quarters because I want that post. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get you. I want quarters. If for some reason that free hangs deep, then I got a good look for that dig right across the middle, and then my check down is going to be check wide to the right. Um, and then if I get one high. Uh, cover three look i'm gonna bang that hitch to the field um if i get a man look i'm gonna look for that step that inside sky route and so that's one of our favorite plays um it's either you just call it like derby or something like that so that was five years ago (laughs) but it uh it's it's a great play anymore no chase bryce quarterback at appalachian state You are listening to KC Sports Network, your home for the best coverage on your favorite local teams. Whether you're a Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, KC Current, K-State, KU, or Mizzou fan, we've got you covered. Find KCSN on your favorite podcast platform. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right. Fun interview there, Matt, with Chase Bryce. Again, that was a memorable one. Uh, rooting for him. Saw him out there um, at the East-West Shrine Bowl. Uh, hoping to, to make an impact or make a, make a statement to, to get an opportunity, at least going into the offseason, going into training camp uh, with an NFL team. He's got a lot of different experience, obviously, bouncing around yeah. uh, to a handful of different teams. Yeah, sounds like he could also maybe play third base if, if the Royals <laughs> need somebody to step in, you know. So love that about him. I know, I mean, it's impressive. I think you can tell the difference. You get some of these guys that have been, you know, because of COVID and grad transfers, like they've, they've been around. Like they've been in college for five, six years, and it's a little bit different. I had a, a scout tell me a couple weeks ago I was working on a story, and he was like – or excuse me, it was a coach, and he was like, man, experience in college at quarterback is usually the most important thing. It's like no matter how talented you are – there's just no substitute for that guy that's played for five years and has seen it all. And I think that's with, with Chase, you know, his ability to come into the, to the NFL. No, he's not going to be a top 100 draft pick, right? But he has tools. He has traits. He has obviously the personality. He has the football IQ. He's going to make a roster. And I think you look at, you know, to me, it's like Easton Stick. You remember him coming on North Dakota State? Mm-hmm. He was the guy after Carson Wentz, which is like a terrible place to be in because <laughs> you're following a legend at that school, basically. He kind of got in a similar situation, but – Again, you've got the body type, you've got the you know intermediate arm, you've got the timing, the anticipation. It's all there, and I think that's what makes him, you know, again, as a QB3, that's the kind of guy you want on your roster. All right, let's move on to the last guy that we have here that we interviewed at the quarterback position, again, out in Las Vegas. Um, Aiden O'Connell, Purdue quarterback, looking at his numbers over the last two years, 50 touchdowns thrown, only 24 interceptions through for more than 7,000 yards over the last two years at Purdue. Matt, what stands out to you about Aiden O'Connell? Yeah, I mean, those numbers definitely do. <laughs> I think 2021, uh, he looked fantastic. And it was a little bit of a surprise that he went back for 2022, even given last year's quarterback class. Thought he, you know, took a little bit of a step down this past year. That's okay. I mean, he carves people up in the middle of the field. I think, you know, I, I told you off camera, Brock Purdy would have been my <laughs> player comp for him had Brock Purdy not gone from – Mr. Irrelevant to the NFC championship game, because that's going to like, it's going to mess up expectations, but like he's that right. type of quarterback. Like it's anticipation, it's timing, it's hitting the middle of the field. It's throwing catchable balls. It's processing speed. That's who he is. He's not going to wow you with arm strength. He's definitely not going to, uh, you know, wow you with foot speed, but it's that mental part of the game that is where he's really, really good. The thing that I'll remember most about Aiden O'Connell, I joked about this with him when he came to interview and sit down with us for this interview we're about to throw to, but uh, we were sitting up and in doing these interviews, we're at the Luxor again for the East West Shrine Bowl. And 
and the little speakeasy that we're doing these interviews at. It's a cool set location to do these. It's just private event space, kind of a speakeasy, a couple different bars, a couple big rooms. There's a lot more media there this year uh, than there were last year, which is great to see. Um, you know, our mutual friend Eric Galco and and him growing this event and the amount of people that were there covering it. But it was cool because the little perch, and I say that because of the way that the this location that we were shooting kind of looks out over the casino floor uh, at the Luxor. And it kind of looks into this little um, uh, it's called, I think it's called the pyramid cafe. It's like the, the breakfast place inside the casino, the big breakfast, uh, it's not a buffet, but the big breakfast spot. And we were up there cleaning up the day before. And we saw a player in the corner of this little restaurant where he didn't think anybody could see him. And he was doing dry reps for all of the plays that he was about to do at practice the next day. Yeah. And so we knew it was a quarterback, but we couldn't quite tell who it was. And then we saw uh, the distinct uh, mustache, I think it was. And we were like, that's Aiden O'Connell. And he was, again, the location that we were looking at it, like we were peering out, it could see back through this and it was in the afternoon. So it was a breakfast spot. It shut down. Nobody was there eating. It was just this like secluded little corner. I remember looking at Kent Swanson. I was like, I love this. Like this guy yeah. is finding his own spot, his own time. When they go to those all-star games. These guys don't get a, a bunch of extra time. They're, they're busy. Right. They've got a lot of different things going on. So for him to take the little bit of extra time that he had, try to get away to where no one can see him and then dry wrap. You can see him going through the footwork and the handoffs and uh, just doing like dry mental reps of all the different things he was doing. It was just a cool experience. And I was like, you know what? That's what you want to see from a quarterback, especially at these events where they get things that are thrown at them that they're not used to, but that'll stand out to me most about Aiden O'Connell, Matt, but let's go to this interview right now. Again, this is Purdue quarterback, Aiden O'Connell from a few weeks ago at the East restaurant bowl. Shotgun here. O'Connell over the middle. Touchdown. Auction to Aiden O'Connell, quarterback out of Purdue. Aiden, my man, always fun to talk to a quarterback. Appreciate you uh, hanging out with us a little bit here. Thanks for having me on. Would love to little to know a little bit about just your journey through football, how you started playing, how you fell in love with it, really. Yeah, I uh, grew up one of six kids, had a couple older, older brothers, a couple younger brothers. Um, and so we, we grew up playing sports, football, obviously. One of them, um, I remember... I would just get dropped off by my mom or dad at um, our little league practice field over the weekend and stay there for eight hours and just hang out and just be around football. So from a young age, I've always loved it. always loved to be around the game. Um, went to Stevenson High School up in Lincolnshire, Illinois, um, kind of a bigger high school, graduated with about 1,000 kids and didn't get to start to my senior year there. So was kind of under-recruited um, coming out of high school. Uh, had no scholarship offers, so I decided to walk on at uh, Purdue. Uh, it was my really my only walk on big walk on opportunity, um, and then spent six years there. Um, some up and down. Started like eight of nine on the depth chart my my freshman summer, and um, just worked from there. And then um, got to play the last last few years. So it was it's been a winding road. It's been a lot of fun. I've had a lot of support from family, coaches, teammates, friends, um, all the same. So you obviously have a passion for it. Working through all of that. Do you have any? particular person that you've drawn that passion from is it internal was it external anybody that's helped you along trying to get through some of those tough times yeah I think um falling in love the game is because I watched my older brothers play um you know when you're the younger brother or one of the younger brothers you want to do what your older brothers are doing and and also 
normally you are doing what your older brother's doing because mom is going to take you where they're where they are so I just remember being surrounded by that and um you know that was just a big part of life and so watching my older brothers was was, was a big part of uh, why I fell in love with the game in the first place obviously had a lot of friends that played it as well so I I really love the the relational aspect of the game and um it's what first made me fall in love it's why I still love it so yeah. were you always a quarterback? Uh, is that just kind of where you started and just is that how that all began? Or? Yeah, I started playing tackle football second grade and I was a, a defensive end and tight end my first year. And then from third grade on, I've played quarterback, um, played a little defense too when I was younger. But I think I, I think I could just, when you're a kid, it's like who can throw the ball the farthest and that's really who plays quarterback. And that was me. So they just like, all right, you're going to play quarterback. All right, so, you know, college football, it's a whole different world than what you're seeing in high school. And there's only so much the high school can prepare you for, you know, college. There's always these mile markers that you kind of hit where things start clicking for you mentally in, 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 a, in a collegiate environment. Tell me one of those first big breakthroughs for you at, at the college level. Yeah, it's a good question. I first couple years uh, at Purdue, you joke, you probably wouldn't even know if I was at practice or not. I, <laughs> I didn't get any reps, um, was kind of just standing in the back and trying to soak everything in. Um, and, and get the mental reps. And then at the end of my second fall there um, was was still a walk-on. We had bowl prep, um, preparing to play in Music City Bowl. And um, in bowl prep, young guys get a lot of extra reps compared to the older guys. So I, I got some reps and played well. And kind of that was probably the first time the coaches actually took a serious look um, at me. And that, that kind of catapulted into the spring and into the next fall. So that, that was a, a big moment for me personally being like, okay, I got to go run the offense a little bit and we did move the ball stuff. So I got to kind of command the offense. It was the first time I really got to do that. Um, and it was, like I said, it was confidence for me. Like I, I can do this, even though it's, you know, I'm playing against other young guys and the threes, whatever it might be. Um, it, it was a big confidence booster. Did you get to go through a lot of terminology changes throughout your time at Purdue, or was it pretty stable? I mean, what was that for you? Yeah, I played in one system in six years, and so um, a lot of the base stuff stayed the same. Um, I, I think for a college offense, we were pretty extensive in our playbook, and so we installed different stuff. Things would come up week to week and um, during the year and um, during the season, and then um, they'd get recycled, and then we'd bring them back three years later, whatever it might be. So for the most part, stuff stayed the same, but there's obviously a lot of a lot of changing and evolving as as uh, is normal. So you've had to learn some terminologies through the pre-draft process. You've had to learn some at Purdue. What's the weirdest thing you've done to try to help? You know, you memorize the the play calls and mem memorize plays. Yeah, I'm just I'm a flashcards guy. So write the name of the play on one side, draw it on the other side, and so when when I see the name of the play, I can you know re rehearse it in my head and picture it, and then on the other side, if if I see the drawing, I can. Um, spit out what the play is so that's that's how I learn um, it's not that weird I hope but that's that's how I learn no I don't I don't think it's not <laughs> at all uh, <laughs> you know it, it just I, you know it's always curious to find out yeah. I, I, one other thing um, you know you said you kind of I feel like Purdue probably did kind of help you do, you know as from a from a translation perspective because there's you know it does seem like there is a lot more pro style to how you guys operate some things um, do you feel like you had, like, when you were at Purdue, did you just feel like you had answers for every covers that you were about to see? Was that kind of what you were getting at Purdue? That's what I, I would explain it as. Yeah, we like to take different things from different teams. We also, our, our base install was pretty extensive. And so, yeah, that's what we wanted to have an answer for anything we're seeing. Um, we'd practice a lot of different plays, practice so many plays that we never ran, but um, wanted, wanted just to be ready to, to have an answer based on what the defense was doing. And so the, the, the responsibility to – of that fall on you or were you getting a lot of 
help an assistant from the sidelines or what's the, once the play is called, is that kind of your territory or are you getting a little bit of help? Yeah. So it's, it's obviously you, you run whatever play is called. Um, and so we, we signaled. And so I, I see the signal and, and try to go execute a lot of times. Um, if it's a new play just installed that week, we kind of have to go over it and uh, we'll work on it during the week. And I may have to signal to one of the receivers or whatever it might be. Um, but for the most part, we try to, you know, clean up stuff and we run a lot of plays during the week, even day before the game and um, two days before the game, running a lot of plays, walk through pace, um, just, just trying to get ready and trying to um, get a lot more mental reps. So put yourself in the game there. You're standing there. A lot of people look at the quarterback position. They see, you know, basically the chaos of the pocket around them, you know, the setup to everything. Describe a little bit what that's like standing in the pocket, pressure around you as you're reading out the routes, you know, just tell us what's going through your head at that moment. Tell us what you're looking for. Describe that for those who haven't played quarterback before maybe. Yeah, I think I think uh, the sky cam that is played at, like different games. I think that's what people think it looks like <laughs> where you're like 20 feet tall and you can see everything. And it's not that way. There's, there's, you know, tall offensive linemen in your face with defensive linemen. And so there's, there's just little chunks of pictures that you see and you try to based on whatever concept, uh, whatever play is called, you're trying to see a safety, you're trying to see a linebacker, um, you're trying to see a corner, whatever it might be. And so it, it depends on the play, but really you're trying to maneuver anything you can to, to look past what's right in front of you um, into what's going on behind that, which isn't always easy. It's, it's you know, you want to look at what's right in front of you is, is kind of a normal human response. And so to look past that, I think, um, when I got to college, took some time to, to learn and stuff. But that's – you have to do it. It's it's what um, the play is. To read a play, you have to look at the secondary for the most part to, to see what's going on. Did uh, you have somebody that helped you with that, a, co- a particular coach that you got to lean on or another player, another individual in the room that kind of helped you progress in that way? Yeah, I think, you know, the coaches did a great job. I, I learned probably more at Purdue than I did maybe 18 years before that learning football. And so le- just learned so much information about um, defenses, offenses, all that stuff. And so position coach Brian Brown was a huge help. Obviously the head coach um, was a huge help. And then I um, had different other assistants throughout the years. One of my – Good friends, Nick Seip, who was a quarterback that came into my class in 2017. Um, is, I actually stole the idea from him. We we had a some, somewhat similar to like a sky cam uh, poll that they would put behind the quarterbacks at practice. And he was like, I, I like watching this view more because at least it's it's somewhat like we're seeing. Because when you, you know, when you watch the game from, from the sideline or on TV or whatever it might be, it's just, it's not what it looks like playing quarterback. So you, you try to steal things like that and, and use them. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's walk through your favorite play call. So tell me what your favorite play is, and then when you're breaking the huddle, what are you looking for? What are, what are the what are the keys you're trying to, to look at? And let's just go through the entire process. Just kind of go through your checklist too, um, uh, for for that play. But you know, also just you know any play, I guess too. But favorite play call uh, as we're talking about that. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I like to throw throw it deep. Um, so I we have a, a play. I won't say the play, but it's basically a, a corner post from our from our Z and then the over from our X and we normally max protect uh, play action and try to get uh, quarters cover four and have a safety bite down on the over route and throw the, the corner post over the top. So it's, you know, like I said, we run a lot of different stuff. We um, do that a lot and we were either running a similar play like that uh, this week. And so, you know, it's it's play by play that there's differences of who you're reading, but that's, yeah, that's one of my favorites. Um, yeah. So who do you model your game after? Who do you watch? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I definitely know I've, I have a good idea of what I am and what I'm not. And so 
I enjoy watching Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes, but I know I'm I'm not that. And so I, I like to watch Tom Brady. I like to watch Aaron Rodgers. I like to watch the older guys who, um, not saying I am those guys, but um, for the most part can can go out there and, you know, we're not running around and making plays crazy with our feet. I, I'm more of a pocket passer. So try to watch guys who I can model my game after. Okay, so let's say it's uh, draft weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are you going to be? Who are you going to be with? What are those emotions going to be when you get the call? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'll, I'll probably be at home in Chicago. I don't don't have a for sure set plan yet. I'll probably just be with family. To be honest, I'm I'm low key. I'm a homebody and don't like big crowds or stuff like that. So I'll probably be at home with with family, um, and it'll be an awesome experience. I I hope I do get a call and um, you know obviously a dream I've had for a long time coming to reality. So I'll enjoy it, but also know it's it's just the start of the work. Best of luck, Aiden. Appreciate you. That's Aiden O'Connell, Purdue quarterback. All right, Matt. That was, as Kent just said, Aiden O'Connell, quarterback out of Purdue. A lot to like there's the guy that, again, we joked with him right, I think it was right after we recorded, we told him that we were spying on him uh, <laughs> before that with him doing you his do dry reps. You're, like you're like a scout, man. Yeah, his dry reps out, uh, and everything, but. Uh, but yeah, fun interview. Enjoyed talking with all three of those quarterbacks, Matt. But of the three, I believe you had said before we started recording this show that you think O'Connell of those three will be the one who's selected the highest. Yeah, I do, BJ. The production, you know, like he said, he loves to throw it deep. I, I don't know that he, like I said, the footwork's not beautiful. He's not a super athlete. But I, I think all said and done, I mean, if, if he's the sixth quarterback off the board, you know, we got the big four that we talked about. Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, who I had a first-round grade on until he tore his ACL in in November, so super bummed for him. I think O'Connell is right there as that next guy, so maybe a late three, but I I think he sneaks into Friday night. All right, before we wrap up this show, I want to put you on the spot a little bit as we talk this offseason with quarterbacks. It Obviously, it's a draft show, so um, can connect to the draft at some point, but are there any surprises? Are we going to see any big moves with quarterbacks, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers, um, or he did during that interview, and obviously his name is one that's getting thrown around. But uh, yeah. how do you see this all playing out? You know, what's a surprise name that could be on the move or a surprise location that we haven't yet talked about with any of these guys? Because you never know how the draft is going to play out until we get through free agency and trades, right? Uh, and start with the guys you know that can step in and play right away for teams that think that they may just be a quarterback piece away from from making a run in the playoffs. Well, to me, that's why Lamar Jackson's name is so interesting. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the franchise tag is available. I don't know if he would play on it. Lamar's an interesting situation because, you know, he doesn't have an agent. He self-represents. So he doesn't have an agent who's working both sides of the media to say, hey, like, here's here's what they offer. Here's where we're at. You know, here's our viewpoint. Here's our situation. So it's really right. been, you know, I think everybody's trying to figure out what he wants. It's been reported he wants a Deshaun Watson contract. I don't see if there's any way that he's going to get that from the Baltimore Ravens. So, it could be a spot where, I mean, if Lamar Jackson is on the move, he is the number one target for quarterback needy teams, the number one target in free agency or trade the trade market, period. So that's the one that I'm kind of waiting to see what happens there because it would turn the market upside down, a lot like, you know, Russell Wilson getting traded, a lot like Deshaun Watson getting traded. It, it really shakes everything up. So uh, I think that's the one. And then obviously Aaron Rodgers, you know, I think Ryan Tannehill is kind of a one of those veterans that, what is Tennessee doing? We just saw them clear a ton of cap space, get rid of a lot of veterans. That's a team that was the number one seed in the AFC two years ago. Now they're trimming the roster and looking at a reload or rebuild, whatever they want to call it. So 
I think those are probably the three that I'm at least, you know, watching most closely right now. It seems of the three that you mentioned, obviously Lamar Jackson would be huge for anybody, but it'd feel like because of the the style, not that he can't sit in a pro style and do those things, but you're not taking advantage of what makes him such a dynamic player and that you would have to have some conversations with your head coach. If he's an offensive mind, obviously yeah. he's going to be involved, but even your offensive coordinator and your position coaches and that you're not going to have three dudes. And I know that Baltimore kind of did with Tyler Huntley, who you were mentioned earlier, but you can't go from a Aiden O'Connell as your backup and Lamar Jackson as right. your starter. It's like, what are you going to do? You're completely switching your offense if somebody rolls an ankle. And so yes. there would need to be a lot of discussion and a lot of, I don't want to say strategery, but there's a lot more that goes into trading for a player like that that has such a unique dynamic skill set that anybody would love to have, but mm -hmm. you really need to make sure that your offensive coordinator, what you're trying to build that offense to look like would work for somebody like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Atlanta is probably the team I think of. You're not trading him yeah. within the AFC, but Atlanta, because of Arthur Smith, the type of offense they run, Desmond Ritter's there as a backup, if you can keep him in this hypothetical situation we're throwing out there. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be it's gonna be fun. And, and as we get to Indy over the next two days, all the rumors are going to be heating up. All right. Well, we'll see you in Indy. We're going to have yes. a little something that I believe we'll do while we're up there. Uh, make sure you stay tuned to all KCSN social channels for that. But Tucker and I are headed up to Indy, uh, gather some content, get some more sit down interviews, hang out at radio row a little bit. Should be a good time. We appreciate everybody for hanging out. We know we're just getting into the off season now. Uh, I think most chiefs content, most places have kind of put a bow on the super bowl championship season, the parade, all the storylines, Eric B uh, leaving for Washington, all of that we've kind of got through. And now we can set our sights on free agency, the draft with the combine starting this week. And, you know, KCSN will have you covered. So we appreciate everybody uh, for hanging out with us today. We'll have more content throughout the week, getting you prepared and updated uh, with everything going on at the combine. But appreciate all of you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.